Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We're going to continue on in our series today, We've Come to Worship. Today is going to be another one of those practice what we preach kind of messages. <laughs> Some of you are just start thinking, oh boy, what does that mean? I'm just giving you the forewarning so that you can get warmed up and get ready in case you haven't already. This was just, this was just practice session. The, pa- the past hour has just been practice, so hopefully you're, you're ready to go for the next hour or two or three or however long we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, uh, you know, I just want to recap for us some of the things that we've covered so far. I know that we have some folks that are just joining us today. So I just want to kind of recap. If you remember back, we've been talking about the power of our praise and worship. We've come to worship what it means. We've taken a look at we've got to do it God's way, God's order. You know, we, we've become so programmed in church to, you know, we do one or two fast songs, the, the offering comes, and then we... And we might pray for people, and then there's the preaching, and then we, you know, give an altar call, and we go home, right? That's kind of how we've been programmed to view church or, you know, whatever, you know, even in the Pentecostal circle. You know, we, we would say we're, we're not liturgical. We're not a liturgical church. We're Pentecostal, but we've become liturgical. You know, we, we, have, our, we have our order. It may be an unstated order, but we have our order nonetheless. And we've become so programmed that we, we say... You know, we've got to do worship our way. It's got to sound our way. And really, God has given us his order and his direction for worship. We see it all throughout the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Worship, praise and worship was never, was never a, a spectator uh, activity. Worship, praise and worship always requires participation. And, you know, you might say, well, pastor, my participant, you know, I'm not just, I'm just really not a shouter. I'm kind of a quiet person, you know, I'm not, you know, there are all different types of praise and worship. I, I understand that. Matter of fact, we took a look at all the Hebrew words for praise, you know, in our English translation, praise, you know, is translated one word, but in Hebrew, there was multiple different words that were translated praise. And they each had a different style of, of praise or a different physical activity, a different shout or a different meaning to each of those words. We've taken a look at some of those things. But I understand each of us have a different style that we prefer. I don't like acting like a fool. You know, I remember, it's so funny, some of you have heard this story, but I remember the first time I experienced that the supernatural joy of the Lord for myself and found myself laughing uncontrollably, rolling on the floor with the joy of the Lord, and I thought, I don't do this. What am I doing? I grew up in a, in a mindset, being pre-programmed, that this was unacceptable behavior in church, but it's not unacceptable behavior in the Bible or in church and scripture, so... So there was a lot of things. Sometimes we have to begin to rectify what we've been taught with the Word of God. We have to begin to understand what does Scripture say about worship? What is the order of God in, in, in worship and in praise and worship? 
And what is God expecting of me? You know, when I tasted and I, I've seen from myself the goodness of the Lord and I've seen his power at work in my life and I've, I've tasted of, of his blessings and, and his presence, I can't help but rejoice. Praise, praise is a physical, uh, it's, a, it's a demand, it's an order, if you will, that you place on yourself. Self, you will praise the Lord. Worship is spirit-inspired. Worship is a, it is, a, it is a response that comes out of that encounter with His presence and the intimacy with the Lord, and it's, it's bowing before Him. You've tasted of His holiness. You've seen His presence, and, and you bow before Him out of, out of reverence, out of holiness, out of humility. But praise is this physical command. Self, you will praise the Lord. You will offer a sacrifice of praise. Why is praise a sacrifice? Because you don't feel like it. Yeah. Right? It's okay to be honest. Don't lie in the house of the Lord. It's okay to say, I don't feel like dancing. I don't feel like shouting. I don't feel like clapping or striking hands with my brothers and sisters and coming into agreement saying, Ruah, shout for a, a, a shout of victory. I, know, I don't want to do that. Our physical nature doesn't want to do that. But we, how many of you do things, you tell yourself to do things that you don't necessarily want to do? Get up in the morning, wash the dishes, go to bed at night, don't eat all of those, you know, take a bath, yeah, change your underwear, whatever. You know, you, you tell yourself you're going to do things, hopefully, that you don't necessarily want to do, right? And so as believers, I will praise the Lord. I will be in a place of joy. I will command myself, you self, you will offer a sacrifice of praise. And you, you know what happens is you begin to praise your way out of the circumstance you find. You, you begin to praise your way out of the depression. You begin to praise your way out of the sickness. You begin to praise your way out of the oppression. You begin to praise your way out of, out of negativity. Why? Because you've all of a sudden got a, a perspective, a heavenly perspective of, of the majesty of the king and that that little issue that you're facing is just a, it's a molehill. You, you are a, but a worm. It's a, it's a molehill when it comes to the glory and the grandeur of our king. He can speak one word and that situation is handled. That's why you just begin to praise him. God, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, when we were singing that song, I'll just give you a very practical example. Sing hallelujah to our God. And I'm thinking in my, in my mind, I have to tell you, I'm thinking... Lord, that song is a command to halal. That what we're singing, what you know, we we sing songs and, and we sing the words and we don't do anything with the words. We've been again, it's a pre-program. We sing words, we say words that all sound nice in, in poetic form and musical form. But the purpose of those words, the reason that they're put into that, that poetical musical form is to capture what is happening in the spirit, what God is saying, and, and line it up with, with what's supposed to be happening in the natural. So those songs, those songs are, you know, whatever, whether it's a hymn, whether it's an old chorus, whether it's a new song that you don't know, whatever it is, it's capturing something in the spirit that is to be released in the natural. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but when, so I'm hearing sing hallelujah and I'm thinking, this is, a, this is an admonishment, this is a, a challenge, are you with me, to halal. This is a challenge to halal, to dance and to rejoice foolishly before the Lord. I don't like doing that. 
But I hear the words and sacrifice of praise. Self, you will dance and, and sing and rejoice before the Lord foolishly. It doesn't matter who's watching or what they think. They're not here for you anyway. Right? They're here to get Christmas toys. No, I'm just joking. They're just whatever it is. We're just going to dance and spin about and worship the Lord. doesn't matter. So it's according to God's order. We worship according to God's order. It's, it's not about uh, spectator. This, this whole thing of the stage. If you look at David's tabernacle, we've been talking about the restoration of David's tabernacle. The, the tabernacle didn't have this stage performance mindset. You know, that came into the church uh, much later. It was, you know, the, the, really the organ kind of brought that in. I know people love the organ. Uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the organ. I love the or I love the B3. You know, you get somebody wailing on that B3 with a with a, a Leslie attached to that thing. You can just let that thing just let it wail, baby. Just let it go, and it's awesome. It's awesome. But I love that sound, and it and it captures a unique sound. It ca- it captures a unique tone. It's awesome. But but that the the original the organ was to replace it was getting rid of the vocals they didn't want to the the priest and the leaders of the church didn't want to deal with the people's personality so let's let's go ahead and bring the organ into the church it has the same sound and and we'll we'll go into and what happened is they transitioned into a stage performance let's come hear the organist play and it began to all revolve around what was happening on the organ and singing the songs with whoever was doing whatever performance wise. Y'all are getting quiet on me up in here. I hope I didn't offend anybody who liked the organ. I'm not bashing the organ. I'm just telling you what happened. This is historical. And so we've, we've switched in our mindset that we come to church. What happened is a mindset was established that we come to church to join with the performers. Yeah. Instead of realizing that all of us are the worshipers before the throne. Yeah. There was, a, there was a shift in the mindset that happened. And it's still around today that we, we go to church and everything on the stage is performance driven. It has to be, you know, don't even get me started. Everything has to be performed. And, and we need to have excellence and we need to have skill. And I, I'm not talking about that. But, but everything became centered around what was happening on the platform. And the people in the congregation became detached. You are not detached from worship. You are the worshiper. Today we're going to take a look at the five selahs and the types of selahs. How many of you have seen that word in your Bible, selah or selah? We're going to take a look at what that is and what God's saying through that. But, but we, we've detached, and, and the selah was actually intended to keep the congregational, those who were apart, not, a, not on the worship, you know, the singing or the, or the worship musicians, but it was to keep the intercessors and the congregation. Everyone had a song. Everyone had a prayer. Everyone had a part to play in the worship. Amen? So you are not disconnected from worship. Your involvement is needed and desired by God. It's desired. He wants you to worship Him. He wants you to come with boldness before His throne. He wants you to come in with boldness and worship Him. Amen? In your scripture, if you go to Psalms, any psalm, you'll see at the top a lot to the chief musician, 
you know, all those things. How many of you have ever noticed those in your Bibles before? The chief musician, all the headings. You know, we, we tend to ignore the headings in Psalms. And so today I, I want us to take a look at a couple of these very interesting things. But basically what, what happened, what happened was, is that David, under the inspiration of, of God, anointed and appointed three men who would be the, the worship leader. They were prophets. They were responsible uh, Haman, Jeduthun, and Asaph, they were responsible, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, that they were responsible for the song. They were anointed and appointed by leadership. They were responsible for the song that would take place in the house of the Lord, the tabernacle of David, before the ark. Remember, David prepared a place for the ark, David's tabernacle, and they were responsible for the song. Now, these guys, Jeduthun, Haman, and Asaph, there was 24 teams of 12 worshipers, and, and then you had the musicians. And these guys, these three guys, were responsible each for, what was it, four teams. They were, each were responsible for four teams of 12 that had to constantly, perpetually worship. There was never a quiet moment unless it was a Selah moment. There was never a moment where worship stopped before the Ark of the Covenant. There was always worship, intercession, praise, and prophecy happening around the ark, happening in his presence. That's how you and I ought to live. There ought to be perpetual, does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? There's going to be perpetual praise and worship and intercession and prophecy. The power of God ought to be flowing out of our life, this continual place of worship. Continual place of praise. And that's, that was what was happening. These, these dudes, Jaduthan, Heman, Asaph, these, these dudes were responsible for that. They, this was their job. They were anointed by God. And, and David laid his hands on them and said, you are the leaders. And then they had the chief, uh, chief musicians. Kenaniah was one of them. The chief musicians were responsible for the sound, the, the, the arrangement, if you will, of the music. So you had... The guys who were leading, you had the pastor graces, the guys who were leading the, no, she's not a guy, but you get the point. The guys who were leading the song, and you had the people, the mics, who were the arrangers. They were the ones who were bringing the, the musical arrangement to the song that was being sung. So that's the chief musician. So when you see that, to the chief musician of whatever, the David would get an inspiration from the Lord or, or whoever was singing or the song, and they would write out the words, and David would write out the, the kind of the arrangement that he wanted, and he would say to one of his assistants, go bring this to the chief musician, Kenaniah, or the chief musician of Negaloth, or the chief, or whatever sound he wanted, and they would put that arrangement to the words that were inspired by God. Y'all follow that? So that's, that's how psalms, the songs, are, are where they're coming from. So with that understanding, we'll kind of move forward here. Some of the words you'll see a lot in, in the Hebrew, some of it's Aramaic, but, but one of them you'll see a lot is Neganoth. I just mentioned, mentioned that. That's to, to the chief musician you'll see of Neganoth. That means on the stringed instruments. The, the person who's playing the stringed instrument, or neganah, occasionally you'll see it in the singular form. It means a, one harp or one stringed instrument. Uh, every once in a while you'll see Shoshani Eduth. Anybody ever seen these titles? Shoshani Eduth in, the, in your title, or maybe it's at the, at the footnote. That's the trumpets. We want, we want to 
send this and play this tune on the trumpets. So Shani Eduth, go play that on the trumpets. Or uh, Shemineth, we want the male choir, the male vocalist to come in and sing that, that, that male you know, we want that good male, you know, sound. Or, or you want the Alamoth. The Alamoth was the female. So you would have the Shemineth or the Alamoth. These were all instructions that were being given. And it was very specific. Notice this, that David and the leaders of the tabernacle were specific. Why? Because they were trying to capture what God was saying and speaking and release it into a sound where people could see what they were hearing spiritually. That was the point of the song. Have you ever, have you ever been to an orchestra setting uh, where the strings were playing and it was the sound of, a, of a, a, maybe a storm and they were all, you know, all the string instruments were playing in such a way that you got the feel that you were in the storm and the clashing of the cymbal? That's what they were doing. It was a, it was a skill set that they were trying to bring into a, through music, they were trying to bring in a picture of what God was saying and doing in their midst. So it was one of those things, can you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, can you see what I'm saying? Can you see, the, can you see about the deliverance of the Lord? Can you not just hear about it, but can you see it? Can you picture it through the, through the sounds and through the words of what's happening? So there's masculine. There's another Hebrew word, masculine. It's a song of instruction. We'll look, see those a couple of times today. Miktum, you'll see that. Miktum is a song that was engraved. The, the, it, when David said, I want this... In miktum, he wanted it engraved. It, the songs that were engraved, let me pause. Songs that were engraved, miktum, you see that. It was a song that became part of the DNA of the people. It was an important song. So if you ever see that in, in, in a psalm, as you're reading through psalms, and it says miktum, or a song to be engraved, it was a song that became part of their DNA, who they were, part of the culture. David didn't want them to lose what was captured in that song, so he said, engrave it. Stamp it in gold. Stamp it, stamp it in silver. Don't let anyone erase this song. And then there was Shaginoth. We talked about that a couple of weeks. That was the erratic drunken songs. Habakkuk had erratic drunken prayers in Habakkuk 3 that we'll take a look at. But a drunken, a drunken erratic... Um, Not normal style of music. Let's say that. It was, a, it was an erratic song. It had an erratic rhythm. It was, it was a drunken, spiritually intoxicated song. And there was Mahalath Lanoth. You'll see that every once in a while. It means dancing with shouting. So there's all these different, there's all these different words. And I, then we run across this word. And I mentioned it earlier. The word Selah. Now, how many of you have heard Selah before? You've heard this word Selah. There, and I'm not talking about the Christian artist worship group. I'm just talking about the Bible. Selah. This word Selah has, has kind of lost its, its umph, its, its power over time because we, we just chalk it up to, oh, that's a musical term. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, that's just a, that's an obscure musical term. We don't really know what it means. Well, sure we know what it means. We got to take a look at how it, how it interacts in Scripture. So I want to take a look at this today. What is God saying when we see the word Selah? Now, obviously, Selah is used 71 times in Psalms and three times in, Hebrew, in, in Habakkuk. So there's, there's no way that I can go through and give you every example and tell you what they mean and so on. But we're going to take a look at some of them today. So Selah, it means to rest. It's a place of rest. It's a place where the, where the music would come to a suspension or a rest, and there was a tension that would build. 
it was, you know, David, David or whoever was singing the song would sing that the, the song would happen. And they would come to this place of tension. They could sing some of the, these refrains, some of these songs for hours, depending on what was happening. As you're reading through these psalms, they didn't just, you know, go through it all at once. And that was the... It was like a song, and they, sometimes they would sing these songs for hours, and it, they would come to the selah, the rest, and sometimes they would repeat it. Sometimes it would become a place of silence for meditation. Sometimes it would become a place uh, of, of exaltation. It means to exalt, to lift up. Sometimes it would be a place of lifting up the voices in worship where the, where the instruments would kind of quiet, the singers would kind of quiet, and the, the congregation, the people would begin to lift up a, a shout or they'd begin to lift up a praise. But most of the time, when you see the word selah, what was happening is that there was, a, there was a transition almost that was happening. There was a rest. There was coming to a place of a pause. And the, the musicians and the singers would quiet. And it would be a time where the intercessors would lift. They would release a prayer or intercession. And there would come forth a prophetic word. There would be some sort of prophecy or intercession that was released. There came to a place of tension, a place of rest, and then a word or intercess or a prayer, intercessory prayer that was released at that time. Now, let me just pause for a moment on this because we have been programmed in most good Pentecostal churches for one good wave of the Holy Ghost. Here's what I mean by that. This is what I mean. We, we come in, we do our songs, and then if there's a, how many of you have probably seen this happen? There's a word that's given, a message in tongues or a prophetic word. And what happens? Everything stops to hear what's being said. Now that, that's not the order. We've been programmed to that. That's not the order that they followed here in scripture. There was a music. Remember the word, the very thing that brought that prophetic word or uh, intercessory prayer or um, word of knowledge, wisdom, or message in tongues, whatever, what brought that into the service, what carried that is the worship. It's the anointing on the worship, on the musicians and the singers and the people of God as they worship, you're carrying the presence of the Lord. And so what we tend to do is the very thing that's ushering in the word of the Lord, we stop. When we ought not stop, we just keep flowing. We flow into what God is. It's a, it's a, it's a dance. It's really a dance. It's a flow. And so, you know, we, we welcome prophetic words and words of wisdom and knowledge, messages and tongues. I, I love it. It's the, it's the spiritual gifts. I'm, I'm taking Old Testament and combining it with what's happening in New Testament living. I hope you see this. And, and I love it. You know, but we also maintain the, the ability to say, hey, something's out of order. But have you ever been in a service where someone was out of order and the person from the platform says, stop, you're out of order? Have you ever seen that? I have. And it, man, it talk about putting a damper on the service. <laughs> Everybody's like, whoo, we're out of order. I don't want to be out of order. You know, and then you have people who are sitting in the congregation thinking, well, I feel like I've heard from the Lord, but I, I don't want to open my mouth. He's going to tell me I'm out of order. <laughs> right? I don't want to. I don't want to give a word from the Lord, but I feel like God's starting. I'm out of order. I don't want to be out of order. And so you have people who are responding to worship out of fear, instead of the freedom that God says that we ought to have. And so the selah is a place. It's God's order to bring a rest or a pause 
into a service where a word can be released. And hey, if some hobo comes in from off the street and starts prophesying, everybody's going to hell. What happens, I've been in those, sir, you've been there where somebody starts prophesying or speaking weird stuff off the wall. And you're like, oh my goodness, is anybody going to shut this down? Well, we're, Hello? Am I the only one? Do I, am I in a Pentecostal church this morning? Anybody have any background in Pentecost? Or I'm the only one here. You get out there into those weird things. But if you have the order of God, watch what happens. Nobody has to do a thing from the platform. Nobody, I don't have to say, you're out of order. Get in order. Because what happens is we're in God's order. The Selah moment, that rest, that pause has happened. And if the person is some goofball prophesying some off-the-wall thing, the musicians, we just build right back up. We just keep flowing with the Lord. We keep flowing, and everything stays. And we just all keep worshiping, and that whatever mess gets drowned out by the praise and the worship of the people. And then you have a house, you have a house of God where people feel comfortable to make a mistake. Is it okay that, we are, that we're okay making a mistake in the, in the house of the Lord? How many of you are perfect? Don't raise your hand. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess it up somewhere. <laughs> I love, you know. Never mind, I'll just keep going. I, I had a thought. I won't share that. But it's okay to come in and make a mistake. And if we're flowing with the order of God, if, we're, if the musicians and the singers and the house of God are flowing in order, what happens is that just keeps on going. We just keep on moving. And if it is a word of the Lord, what happens? The Selah, that Selah moment captures what God is saying, and we move into that direction. What I was talking about earlier, we've been pre-programmed. Oh, there's a word. We shut everything down. We hear the word. Oh, now it's time to take the offering. Instead, you got to think about these guys back in, in the tabernacle of David, a word would come forth and they, you know, it could be a word about, about coming judgment. And the judgment, the word of the Lord concerning judgment and death that was coming would, would cause the people to go into, the, into a place of intercession for the mercy of the Lord and his grace to be poured out. And so they'd transition into a place of, of worship and praise concerning God's mercy. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so it wasn't a place to shut it all down and say, oh, it's time to move on to the offering. Some of these, you've got to imagine, 12 teams of 24, each team was going for about two hours at least. And we, we think 30, 45 minutes is long. <laughs> these teams were going for two hours on their instruments, just nonstop. And there would be times where, where a selah, a break would come through and they would, they would pause for a moment. And maybe it would go into a shout of victory or maybe it would go into a, a battle cry. Or maybe it, and they would just move for two. You could, you know, you'd spend 30 minutes just on one battle cry. You could spend 30 minutes just on the direction of warfare and a, and a battle cry and victory. You could spend 30 minutes just on a, on a shout of victory or 30 minutes just on a sacrificial uh, a tone of sacrifice. And, and so this, this worship, I'm, what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to expand you when it comes to understanding of worship. I'm trying to increase your boundaries when it comes to understanding and diving in to the presence of the Lord through praise and worship. So let, let's go on here. Let's take a look at some of these sailors. I, I don't know if we'll have time to get to them all, but we'll, we'll see. So Psalms 55. If you have your Bible, Psalms 55. And I want to give you, and I want to talk about 
the power of the Selah. Psalm 55. Psalms 55, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me, and my heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. Now, this is... You know, this is a song. This is actually a song of David. It was to the chief musician on Neganoth. It was the chief musician of stringed instruments. And so these stringed instruments, this is David, if you can hear it here, he's in the middle of the storm. He's in the middle of life storms, and the instruments are capturing the sound of the storm, and he's, he's singing out about his storm in life. How many of you have ever gone through a storm in life? If you're not raising your hand, you haven't lived or you're lying. So the, we all face storms, and David is crying out from the depths of his heart regarding the storm that he's in. He says this is a song of instruction. It's a song of masculine, a song of instruction on the stringed instruments. And we can hear here the anguish and the turmoil and the oppression, all of these things that are happening here in David's heart. And verse 6 happens. Right in the middle of the storm, verse 6, so I said. I want you to say that with me. So I said. So I said. Oh, let's do it one more time. So I said. So I said. You need to speak to yourself. You need to talk to yourself and say, self, I might be in the middle of the storm, but I'm not going to allow you to talk about the negativity. I'm not going to allow you to talk about the depression. Self, you're going to put on your garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Self, your God's going to carry you out of this storm. Self, God's going to move you up out of the storm. He's going to bring you to higher heights. I want to tell you today, if you're facing a storm, you need to sail on eagle's wings. Isaiah says, you'll mount up on eagle's wings. You don't have to stay in the place of your storm. You don't have to stay in the place of the rain and the depression and the discouragement and the fear. But you can mount up through praise. You can get up on your ingles' wings of praise and soar into the heights of God. Remember Jesus. He was, he was asleep on the boat. I don't know if Jesus snored. Maybe he did. He's familiar with all of our ailments, so I don't know. Who knows? All of our temptations. Who knows? But regardless, he's sound asleep and the storm's raging against the boat. Jesus, wake up! <laughs> We're dying. We're in the middle of the storm. And what does he do? He gets up and speaks, shh. That's literally what he does, the Greek. Shh. To the storm, and the storm dies down. So here, we just we keep going. So I said, oh, that I will have wings, wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. He's speaking to himself, saying, self, you're not going to stay in the place of the storm. God's going to bear you up on dove's wings. He's going to bear you up on eagle's wings, and you're going to get out of this mess. You're going to get out of this. Psalm 61 close by, if you flip over Psalm 61, it says to the chief musician on Neganah, this is, a, this is a solo harpist, chief musician on Neganah, hear my cry, O God, 
Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Get me out of the storm and bring me to the rock. Carry me up out of the storm. Bring me to the rock. For you have a shelter. You have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Selah. I, this is, what is this, what is this sila? It is the sila of the flight from the storm. It's a sila that's carrying you out of the storm. You're flying on eagle's wings. This sila was used to say, God's bringing me out of the storm. He's bringing me out of the trouble. And, and the, the, this, this particular sila would be the, the instruments in this case, they would capture that, that string sound, that, that whirly, heavenly sound of bringing me up. Can we try that? Can we do this? Can we do the, uh, the, the sila of carry from the storm? He's bringing me up out of the storm. So why don't you singers, let's join together here for a second. Maybe you're facing a storm today. It would, David would sing about the storm and it would come to a, a place of suspension and tension. So the place of suspension. If you're in a storm today, I want you to just stand to your feet. If you're in the middle of a storm, just stand to your feet. This, this is a Selah moment for you. This is a Selah moment. You're facing a storm. Just stand. Just stand with us. You're in a storm. Just stand. Physical storm, family storm, emotional storm, whatever. Okay, bring it up, musicians and singers. Join with them in singing the song of the Lord over them. He's going to sing over you today. You're coming out of the storm. Lord, he's leading you to a rock. He's leading you to a shelter place. He's bringing you out of your storm today. You're going to sail on eagle's wings. You're going to sail on eagle's wings. He's a shelter. He's a shelter for you in the storm. He's a shelter for you. That he's sheltering you. Yeah, he's carrying you today. And that sailor would come to a pause. And the people would begin to sing out their song. Now I want you to sing out your song to the Lord. Just sing your song. Lord, I worship you. You're carrying me on eagle's wings. Lord, you're carrying me. On eagle's wings. Yeah, just sing out. You got to say to yourself, self, you will not be discouraged. Self, you will not be depressed. He's my shelter in the most. He's the most high. Yeah, he's my shelter and rest. Yeah, he's the most high. He's my shelter and my rest. He's the most high and my shelter and my rest. Lord, I rest in you. Under your shadow, Lord, I will abide. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Yeah, he's going to carry you out of your storm. So that's just, that's just, a, tr- just trying to capture that, that Selah. The second one, if you go to Psalms 52, Psalms 52. Psalms 52. This is to the chief musician. It's a song of mass skill. It's a song of instruction. And notice the note here. David is running. It's a contemplation of David when Doeg, the Edomite, was told, told Saul. And what is all that about? Well, if you go back to 1 Samuel 21 and 22, David was running from Saul. And he goes to Elimelech, the priest, for, for safety. And he goes in, if you remember, he goes into Elimelech. He says, I need, I need something to fight the battle with. I don't have anything to protect myself. And Elimelech gives him Goliath's sword. Remember, David had slain Goliath, and he takes the sword of Goliath. David said, there's none like it. He takes it, and he goes off and, and begins to run for his life. And Doeg, the, this dude, was sitting there hearing all this stuff that was going on. And what does he do? Saul comes in, and he tells Saul all that happened. Hey, I just saw David and all of the 400 men that are with him, and uh, you probably should do something about that. So what does Saul do? He kills all of the priests. He kills all the priests, and so David gets word of it. And this is the psalm, Psalm 52. This is the song that was birthed in David as that happened. And so it was a song of instruction that David used to teach others. This is what happens, Psalm 52. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? This is talking about Saul. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction. Like a sharp razor working deceitfully, you love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness, Selah. This is a, this Selah, this song is on the judgment of God. This is what was considered to be the death knell or the judgment Selah of God. When they heard this, this this was a, this was a heavy, bassy sound that would move it physically would affect its hearers in their cardio- cardiovascular system. Their, their heart and their circulatory system was affected. Fear, the fear of God, would come upon the people as they heard this sound. It was a bassy rumble with the, with the death drum uh, beat that death and judgment of God were coming. We see this again in Psalms 55. To the chief musician on Neganoth, again, the stringed instruments, it's a song of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. We read all that. That was on the flight. We read that earlier. But if you skip on down to verse 19, 18, well, we'll start 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even if he who abides from old, because they do not change Selah. God's, so in the middle, God's rescuing me, Psalm 55, God's rescuing me from the storm, and he's bringing death and judgment to those who afflict me. Now, this was not a, this was not a Selah that they would get happy on. 
This, 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 was a, this was a cry for mercy. This was where the intercessors, the, the worshipers, would begin to sing out and to pray out, God, send your mercy. Have mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Remember Habakkuk and Habakkuk 3 we talked about earlier. He's praying that prayer. God, in wrath, remember mercy. It was a drunken prayer. It was a Shaginoth prayer that, that was accompanied by the string, the Neganoth, the string instrument. And he was praying, God, in your wrath, remember your mercy. And in the midst of all of this, the judgment of God, if you look at Habakkuk chapter 3, in the middle of all of the drunken prayer, intercession of, uh, of Habakkuk here, in verse 17, what does he say? God's pouring out his judgment. God's bringing judgment and death. But in verse 17, though the fig tree may not blossom, though the judgment of God be upon us, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from, from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet... Everybody say, yet. Yes. Yet. Though the judgment of God be poured out, though the wrath and the death notes be ringing out upon us, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the Lord, the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high heels. That word rejoice, it, not high heels like what women wear, <laughs> high heels. Sorry, that was a little southern twang in there. <laughs> He'll make me walk on the high heels. <laughs> you can have fun in the house of the Lord. Now I understand how the women do it. They've got the strength of the Lord. You can walk in there. <laughs> he says... He says rejoice. That word rejoice is to have the sound of joy. There was a sound in the middle of his drunkenness, spiritual intoxication, absolute. He pictured this. He's singing. He's crying out in the middle of God's judgment. Lord, carry me from the storm. Take me up from the storm. This is, this is the Habakkuk's prayer. If you go back and you read, there's multiple selahs in it. Take me from the storm. He starts talking about the wrath and the judgment of God, selah, the, the death knell selah. He's talking about the, and the, he's drunk. He's absolutely spiritually intoxicated. He is filled with God to the point, Shaginoth, it is a, it's a messy, erratic song, filled with God. He's lost. He is absolutely inebriated on the presence of the Lord, on God himself, and he is absolutely intact. Lord, but yet, I, yet, what, what will cause you in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the judgment of God, to be able to say what he just said, yet I will rejoice in God myself. Yeah. He's been drinking of Holy Ghost new wine. He's been drinking in the presence of the Lord what has stirred up inside of him the ability to respond. Say, yet I will rejoice. Yet I will be filled with joy. He had the sound of joy. He was, he was laughing hysterically in the presence of God, filled with his joy. How do you know that? Well, that's what the Bible says. He rejoiced. He was filled. I will rejoice. I will have the sound of joy. And he said, I will joy in God. That word joy in God is I will dance and spin about wildly before the Lord. 
So he was laughing and carrying on and dancing and spinning before God in an absolute drunken mess. It was kind of like the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. These men are drunk. They're worshiping and they're carrying on talking about God. And we can hear them in our own language doing it. We don't know how it's... This is a mess. And Peter stood up and said, these men, in a very drunken tone, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that was which is supposed to be spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm going to get through this. This is spoken by the prophet Joel. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Shabbat am I say. Yeah, this, this is that. <laughs> See? <laughs> Woo! When God takes you by surprise. <laughs> Jesus. The death knell. <laughs> The death, the death now, Selah. <laughs> in the midst of death, in the midst of, I tell you, wow. I was like, I, whoo, I just walked, it was like the Holy Ghost was standing right there and said, oh yeah, buddy, you want to talk about it, you can experience it. Whoo. So this, 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 um, this Selah was, um, it was on the re- it was on the um, the reed the instruments the wind instruments the, the they would have these long wind instruments some of them up to eight feet long and they would begin to blast you know on these and they begin to blast these low bassy and and the drums dunadum dunadum. the atmosphere change they carry the word of the Lord did the instruments alone carry the carry the anointing the word of the Lord notice the change it went from joy to the reality of God in just a split second that was the death thanks guys that was the death knell Selah and it would come to a pause, and it would be a place of meditation before the Lord. It would come to a place of stillness before the Lord. They, you know, it's interesting. All of the things that we experience in the presence of the Lord, and I, as I think about this, you know, there are times where we'll have great times of rejoicing and the joy and the celebration. Have you noticed that in, in services where the joy of the Lord will be so thick and people just laughing and rejoicing and and dancing and celebrating before the Lord, and it will come to a sila. It will come to a moment, a pause of silence before the Lord, or a place of meditation, and then it will increase, or it will go to a different type, or you know, different uh, different place in worship. That's that's this is biblical. What I'm trying to do today, I'm trying to help you understand what we're doing is biblical, and we need to increase in this. 
We need to, this is how we flow with what God's doing. When a word is released about the judgment, the coming judgment, our, the musicians, the instruments, and the singers can, can step in to a place of releasing that death knell, sila sound and begin to carry what God is saying through the instruments and the singing. It's powerful. The next sila is the sacrificial sila, Psalms 47. Now this is, I love this one. This is one of my, I love this. This isn't my favorite, but this is one of them. This is, now this is a pretty good one. This is pretty good. The sacrificial selah. Psalms 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is the great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. Now, whew, now I, I just let me read the next verse because I, I want to capture this. God has gone up with the shout, and the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. So what's happening here, this is the, you can see it, so the sons of Korah. The, Korah, the sons of Korah were the, the people responsible for priestly duties around the tabernacle. They were carrying out sacrifices. They were taking care of the tabernacle. They were the, they were the help guys. They were making sure everything was happening and, and carrying out the, the, all of the temple duties. And so these guys are singing this song. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So what's happening, we've talked about this verse before. Clap your hands is not... This verse and this interpretation, clap, was the striking of hands with one another coming into agreement. It's that, it's that high five coming into agreement, striking hands. The Lord is victorious. That's what they were doing. The Lord is victorious. And shout, this isn't Shabbat, this is Ruah. Shout with a victory shout. This is a war shout. You're coming in with a shout of victory. So they're striking hands. Victor, victory is ours. And shouting Ruah, the, the victory shout. This is awesome. And they're doing this. If you think about how many people in, in the place of Jerusalem that day when they were offering a sacrifice and how long it would take to offer a sacrifice. Hours they're singing this song. For hours. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For hours they're just going and going and striking hands and clapping. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't a, a faint-hearted exercise. This, they were worshiping. They were praising. This, there was some, uh, uh, some endurance in worship that was needed here. We get, we get exhausted, exhausted after 30 seconds. <laughs> They're doing this for hours before the Lord. Young and old alike. They're all going for it. Hallelujah. Striking hands. Shout unto God and singing his praise. And the selah, what, what is happening, the, the trumpets were blasting. As they were doing this, this was a trumpet blast, Selah. The, during sacrifice, the trumpets would blast to, to blow as they were. It was to blow the smoke heavenward. And so they were... That had the trumpets. Hang on. Just a second. We'll get there. They would blast the trumpets. 
And it would blow the smoke heavenward. And they would, the selah, the moment, the trumpets are blasting, they're halal. This is a halal psalm. So they are all rejoicing, dancing crazily before the Lord. This is a foolish dance. For hours they're doing this. Do you understand? This is a, this is a very exuberant. They were offering their sacrifice with an exuberant praise. And the trumpets would blast, and it would be this long blast of the trumpet. It would come to a pause, and it would be silent. And that long blast would come to a silence, and they would wait as the sacrifice was finished to see if there was going to be any roadkill that day. Now you say, what do you mean? Remember, go back to Uzzah and Ohio, cousin Uzzah <laughs> and Ohio that drove the ark. What happened to Cousin Uzzah? He became roadkill. And they had, remember, they had all the right music. They were, they, had, they were having church that day. But they were moving the presence of God in the wrong order. And Cousin Uzzah got fried on the highway. And they remembered it. And they remembered it. We're, so they paused and they would wait did God accept the sacrifice? They would wait. Did God accept? Did, did anybody else fall over dead? Ananias and Sapphira, did that happen in church today? Or did, God, did God accept their offering or did he reject their offering? See, we come in and we, we just throw our offerings before the Lord like it's nothing, but God's taking note. God's taking note of your sacrifice of worship. And he has shown us, oh, how great a mercy. I'm sure all of us deserve to be roadkill in somebody's oven at some point. Yeah. And, that's, and so they would pause. There was a reverence. You know, we've gotten so used to the presence of God. We, you know, the Ark of the Covenant at their time had become so normal for them. Cousin Uzzah in Ohio had it in their front living room. They'd walk in. There's the couch. There's the microwave. There's, there's mommy and daddy, and there's the Ark of the Covenant. And it was just all normal for them. They treated the, the Ark of the Covenant with, with disregard. And so when it came time to move the Ark, oh, no big deal. We'll just touch it. We'll just try to do it our way and not God's way. And you end up... So, so our worship has to be spirit-led, spirit-inspired, God-ordered. And, and that's what they were doing. They came to a pause to wait to see. And what happened? Once nobody got fried, they, what'd they do? Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout. The smoke of the sacrifice, if you will. Has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet sing praise. They began to praise God again. It started all over. Their halaling started all over again. So let's, can, we, can we do that? Let's, 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 do, let's just give them the, uh, the sacrificial selah. Come on. Ring it in, guys. I'm, we're teaching as of this morning. They're learning this morning. Bring up that. Can we bring up the trumpet? I want some. These guys were on the silver trumpets blasting out. Come on. I want you to stand with me. Keep it going, come on, keep it going, stand with me. Come on, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Come on, y'all, come on, singers. Come on, see, Amaye. Lord, we sing praises to you. Lord, we sing, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. 
Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, victory. Yeah, strike your hands, clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We sing praise to you. We sing praise to you. We sing praise to you. And then we would wait. Nobody died. We can keep it going. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Now you can be seated. We got, we got a couple more. I got to get through. <laughs> Psalm 60. Y'all seeing how this works? The power and the, and the, you see, you read the Bible and you never get this unless you study. You got to study your Bible. You can't just read it. You got to study it. This is a Shushani Duth. This is on the trumpets. It's not tongues. It's a Shushani Duth. This was on, some of your Bibles may say in the, in the tag, Lily of the Testimony, the trumpets were, you know, you know, the shape of a trumpet is the shape of a lily. And so it was, it was compared to the lilies. It was Shoshani Duth, lily of testimony. In other words, the, the trumpets were always connected with prophecy. So when you see that lily of testimony, it's a trumpet of prophecy. They were proclaiming or declaring something. So the trumpets, when the trumpets were used, much like we just did in the sacrifice, they were declaring, they were prophesying. You know, the, the Bible tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when they were blowing their trumpets at the sacrificial feast, they were declaring, prophesying, declaring the testimony of Jesus. Our God has received our sacrifice. It was a type and a shadow of the, sac the sacrifice of Jesus that was to be accepted. So we continue on. Uh, chapter 60. So this is, on the, this is on the trumpets. It's a mictum, so it means to be engraved. Don't forget it. If this is one of those that affected the culture. And if you see, it says that this was written when David fought and killed 12,000 Edomites. So what do you think this one's about? What do you think this is about? It's a warfare sila. It's a sila about war. And so we read here, verse 1, it says, Oh God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have, you have been displeased. Restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its breaches for its shaking, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. Now, anytime you see banner, talking about banners in Scripture, you can know we're talking about warfare. Uh, when the, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, what does the Lord do? He lifts up a standard against him. That word banner is the word standard. It's a place of identity for the troops. When the troops saw a flag, a banner go up, they would say, like, just like our U.S. flag, you know, it's a rally cry. It's a place of identity. They would lift up a standard. The armies would lift up a standard, a, a flag, a banner, and it would be a place of identity. It would be a mark of, uh, or a rally cry saying to the enemy, here we come, buddy. 
And we got a lot of them with us. Can you see? We're marching our flag. We're going out. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our banner. His love over me is my banner. So we're marching, according to Song of Solomon, under the banner of the love of God. And he's leading us into triumphant victory. Did you hear me? He's leading you and I into a procession under his banner of triumphant victory. Now, you got to stay under the banner of the Lord. You get out from underneath his banner, you're going to step out from underneath that procession of victory. But this selah was used, it was a cadence selah, it had that low bassy, again, affecting the heart, putting fear in the people, that bassy cadence rhythm, so that as they marched, they would march in under the banner of the Lord. In Psalm 76, we see it used again, Psalm 76, this is a, this is a war selah, Written by Asaph. Remember, we talked about Asaph earlier. He was one of the three that was anointed, appointed by David, responsible for the song of the Lord before the tabernacle. He was a skilled singer. We know he was a skilled singer and a prophet. And so he's prophesying here in Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle. And his, or Salem, peace and peace and the place of peace. In Salem also is his tabernacle. And his dwelling place in Zion. There he what? He broke the arrows of the bow and the shield and sword of battle. So we're seeing again this war selah bringing victory. And it moves. Asaph is prophesying about war and he moves right into a place of praise. You notice that. So as you're marching out under this war banner, this selah happens. And what would happen? They've got the rhythm. The cadence is happening. The stringed instruments, uh, Psalm 76 was Neganoth. So you got the stringed instruments going with this cadence, this rhythm. And, and the warfare turns into a place of praise. And they're shouting unto God. And this would be um, the, the sound that would come forth would be the sound of the shofar, this warfare so, shofar, bassy, uh, trumpet sound along with the cadence. So I, I, I just want us all to do something. I know you're up, down, and around a lot today, but welcome to the worship. <laughs> so I want you to stand, and, and we're going to, uh, can, you, can, we can you give me that, uh, let's go ahead. Give me the war here, Sila. Give me the cadence there. A little bit more on the bass. A little bit more on the snare. Okay, now there we go. Now, just get your march on, because we're marching under the banner of the Lord. How many of you are marching under the banner of the Lord today? I don't know what you're going through, but victory is yours. Jehoshaphat. I want you to send the praisers out at the start of the battle. What were they doing? They were marching. The singers, the choir was marching out. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Help me out, singers. The Lord, he's good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, his mercy endures forever. Now can you imagine thousands of singers 
marching with that thousands of drums and the horns. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Some of you need to get that in your spirit. The Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever. 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 Hallelujah. Now, what would happen, you can sit is that Selah would come to a pause and they march out and they look over the battlefield and what's happened? They're all slain. They're all dead. They come to a pause. Can you imagine the sight that must have been? Thousand. The Lord is good and his mercy. And now we're putting this in English where we understand, but you get the point. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And they march up to the edge of the battlefield and overlook into the valley, and their enemy is all dead. That pause. They enter that sila moment of suspension, and they're looking, and their enemy's all slain. Can you imagine the, the praise that must have happened, it must have erupted in that moment? And that brings us to our last sila, and that sila is the triumphant sila. They marched out to that sila. And they lifted up a victorious shout of praise and moved in. We see this in Psalms 49, a triumphant Selah. And guys, when we do this, I want you to just, I want you to just let it blast here in a second, okay? Not yet, but, but just get it ready. I love this. I told our musicians today, I said, we have just, by you learning this, you've just set a, a standard. Anytime God is doing some anytime in our services where the Lord is ushering in a, a moment of rest where he's speaking and something's happening, you can, we can, I can immediately just say, go do warfare or go to, go to triumph or go, you know, and we immediately, the musicians and the singers can capture what the Lord's saying. It's awesome. We're all talking the same language, right? Psalms 49. The sons of Korah, we've had the, if you go, go down, verse 15, it says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. We've gone through the judgment, this is the Selah before that is a death knell, we go through the judgment of God, the death, and he has made me Selah, he has made me victorious. Now, I gotta tell you something, this, I'm, I'm about ready to just take off. This is awesome. So the triumphant Selah, this, they would march out into victory. They would, they would announce the triumph, the victory with the Selah. They would announce it would be, it was a shofar blast. It was, the, it was the ram's horn blast where they would blast a long blast on that shofar, that shout of victory. 
and they would shout that, that, that long trumpet sound, and it would be a place of shouting and joy and, and extreme gladness. And, and then the difference, you know, we've, we've, we've had these selahs that had the trumpet shout, but they came to a pause, a rest. This selah never rested. It was a perpetual. It just kept going. It was a victorious shout. It was ongoing. There was no, there was no rest or pause for, for a reflection on what God was doing. It was just an absolute, abundant, joyful, shouting blast of praise. Now, I got to tell you something. This is, this is, we're going to hear this trumpet again, because this triumphant selah is the selah, it's the trumpet shout of God in 1 Corinthians 15, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall, you know, woo, this is, we're, we're going to hear that triumphant selah, that triumphant shout, that triumphant trumpet blast again and everything that's dead in Christ is going to rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds there shall we ever be with the Lord come on let it roll come on let it roll come on let it go triumph there shall we ever be you obviously don't need victory in your life. <laughs> you need to shout your victory. Well, I'm still walking in the battle. Shout anyway. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going through. Lift up a shout of victory anyway. Who knows, but you'll get out to the edge of that battlefield and see your enemy dead on the ground, seeing the victory of the Lord before you. Yeah, he goes before you with the shout. He goes before the Lord of hosts is mighty in battle. I said the Lord of hosts is mighty in battle. The 
this is this is the same shout. This is the same shout when they were standing at the walls of Jericho. He said, "Lift up your shout!" And the walls of Jericho came crashing down. I want to tell you, you gotta lift up your shout, and the walls of your Jericho are gonna come crashing down. But you gotta lift up a shout to the Lord. You gotta lift it up even when the walls are still standing. You gotta lift up a shout even though the chariots are still running on top of the wall. You gotta lift up a shout even though the enemy still seems to have the victory. But when you shout, the walls, the Lord of hosts who is mighty in battle will wage war on your behalf. And the anointing of God that breaks the yoke that rests on your shout will bring those walls down. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus! Hallelujah! Bless the Lord! Woo! Bless the Lord! <laughs> Woo! Bless the Lord! <laughs> Now, y'all are starting to get it. <laughs> You're starting to get it. <laughs> the power of our praise, the power of our worship. This isn't just a, another good old song service and, you know, do your whatever. This, we're talking about power. We're talking about releasing the power of God. Your song, your worship carries something. My goodness. My goodness, I feel the anointing in this place. I feel breakthrough. Some of you just shout. I'm, you're going to go out of this place and see the whole situation's changed. I just, man, alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. I'm victorious. Strike hands. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah, that's what that's all about. <laughs> victorious. He's accepted our sacrifice of praise. He's made us victorious. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.